Hello listeners, and welcome to The Detail's new podcast called Michael Jackson Unspun. Michael Jackson was admitted the biggest selling album of all time. Michael Jackson has become the first artist in the history of music to generate six number one singles off one album. Michael Jackson! Michael Jackson! But I must confess it feels good to be thought of as a person, not as a personality. So, welcome to this episode of the Details Podcast, Michael Jackson Unspun. I'm Matt, the video creator behind YouTube's Detail, and also your host for this series. Uh, but I'm not alone, I'm here with another Michael Jackson YouTuber, uh, MJ Fangirl, how's it going? Hello, I'm good, how are you today? I'm good, I'm good. Um, we were just talking off camera a little bit about, I've had a little bit of a drama with my channel. <laughs> about yeah, the- it was interesting yeah. people were on fire <laughs> people are very opinionated about some images uh, which i kind of adopted um so our last podcast was about uh michael jackson in 2020 and potentially what he might be doing and i thought it'd be really great to kind of visualize that show michael jackson in 2020 serving some different looks uh, in different scenarios and i did this one photo where people just did not like the outfit wow <laughs> wow i saw that the the um response was amazing it was a lot of comments there so that. if you haven't actually seen the photo, it's him wearing, it's like a very bejeweled uh, kind of satin ruched. Originally it was a dress, but I cut it from the middle. So I was thinking more the top half rather than the bottom half. And then, you know, on my Instagram stories, uh, I kind of explained the reasoning and how it looks similar to different looks. <laughs> um, but yeah, people definitely had an opinion about that. So I guess we all have different ideas about what Michael Jackson would have been wearing if he was here today. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think we all have our differing opinions and it's good for people to voice them. Um, and I think they should definitely go check out your Instagram story highlight because that really explains some of the the um, inspiration behind it and everything. So yeah, I liked, I, I'm gonna stick, I, I, like I said, I love the top half. I think that <laughs> Michael really did wear a lot of like that satin, um, mm. The rhinestones look very embellished um, with the shoulder pads at the top. So, yes. <laughs> I think it's so funny. People really <laughs> had a problem with him even like holding flowers. They're just like, he would never hold flowers like a bride walking down the, the red carpet. Oh, no. <laughs> and then I just showed a bunch of pictures of him <laughs> holding uh, flowers, you know, that obviously got given so many right. times when he was out and about. Right, right. I, I think people were just saw the dress and then they saw flowers and they were immediately like, bride, <gasps> wedding, <laughs> bridesmaid. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But, you know, again, uh, Michael did get flowers and stuff. He could have just been holding them at that moment. Exactly. Well, I'm actually going to redo an image, get everyone's opinion. I mean, this is a great thing about, and it really follows into our topic as well, about Michael Jackson's uh, fandom and his legacy and how passionate they are about it, that everyone has a really strong opinion, you know, whether it's good or bad about Michael Jackson. But I'm definitely going to do a bit of a poll and see what people's different opinions are in terms of what he might have worn if he was here today and, and then create another one and, and see if that see if that get a better response. The image that I did do of Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5 uh, reuniting, mm -hmm. uh, people really liked that one. That, that one got a, a resounding yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really, really good. That personally was my favorite out of all of the edits. So. Of course, Yay. yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so yeah, so that uh, follows nicely into our topic today, which is all about Michael Jackson's um, legacy and his fans, and really talking about our personal, uh, you know, how we became fans and how we've developed as fans into becoming Michael Jackson kind of content creators now, and kind of asking those questions about Michael Jackson's uh, fans, how come they're so fanatical? Right. So, what I really wanted to ask you, MJ Fangirl, yes. um, what are your first memories of Michael Jackson? So my first memories of Michael Jackson started really, really early because I actually grew up with a Michael Jackson Billie Jean poster on the back of my wall in my childhood room. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So like I really grew up in a household where we played a lot of Michael Jackson and my dad was a huge like um, he was huge about the three mics in the 90s, which was the 80s, 90s, which was Mike Tyson, Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson. Uh. He was always like, these are the three best Michaels in the world, whatever. And I just happened to take to Michael Jackson the most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I was ba- basically raised on him, watched The Moonwalker and The Legend Continues and those type of documentary tapes over and over until my parents were tired of watching the same thing. You know how little kids are. Yeah. Yeah, I think my sister, she would obsessively watch uh, Wizard of Oz all the time. Oh, that was her. Great choice. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie too. I don't I don't think I had anything like that as a child. But yeah, no, I didn't really... I, I wasn't from a household that really listened to a lot of music. My mom kind of grew up in a very strict household where she wasn't really allowed to listen to music. Oh, wow. And even though... She was allowed to listen to music as an adult, obviously. Uh, we just didn't really listen to a lot of music. Okay. So I kind of knew of Michael Jackson, but I didn't really hear a lot of his music until I was probably about 11 or 12 years old. Like, I did listen to other music, but it would just be pop stuff that was around at the time. And I remember the first time I, I heard uh, The Way You Make Me Feel on... It was a, a movie. It was kind of like Save... It might have been Save Last Dance or it might have been a film like that. Oh. Because I watched it at I, school. <laughs> okay. I feel like I know what movie you're talking about, but the, the name is not coming to mind. Someone in the comments will have to comment and say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it takes two? No. I really, I'm really not sure. I would actually love to see that scene again because okay. I remember watching it. We were in the dance and drama department and we were watching it and I was like, oh, I like this song. Like... I might, I might, and it was the time of like LimeWire and Ares and Napster, so I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my brother to download that and put it on a CD for me to listen to. <laughs> um, and then that kind of started it off, really. I started downloading right. different songs and then the whole albums and then having my little MP3 player, which I bought off eBay and listened to it all on the way to school. <laughs> That was the golden era of trying to get your music downloaded and waiting for it, leaving the computer, like, downloading all day, coming back after school or whatever to yeah. see the progress. Well, well, that's really what I remember because, you know, I mean, we're so lucky now that we have YouTube where we could just instantly look at every bit of content about Michael Jackson is pretty much on there. Um, and all, all his music and interviews and videos. Uh, but we didn't really have that in the... Well, I'm talking about the early 2000s here. Um, yeah. And I literally had to, I was downloading off one of those download sites, uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller, and I remember it would take all day, it was like a Saturday, and it would be downloading for two hours, and you could only see up until like the first 30 seconds, so I just remember 
kept on repeating it where I would hear the heavy breathing <laughs> <laughs> and then the, uh, the the thriller, you know, typography comes up and then the car coming down, and, you know, I'd be like, and then, you know, when you see his face, I'm like, oh my God, okay. Because I'd never personally seen it up until yeah. that point. So, uh, so I have a really vivid memory because I was a little bit older of like seeing it all for the first <laughs> time. Like I, I think I've seen images and stuff of it. I'm, gl- I'm glad you had that such a vivid, rem- you know, experience watching thriller for the first time i think that is just perfect <laughs> yeah and and really it was a time where michael jackson was very much like not on the pop scene as he i don't know it was obviously like a bit of a lull in his career i remember the trial and i was like really into him as you know in terms of his music and was a really big fan but he was never someone that it would be like really cool for me to tell everyone that i'm like i, re- I really love his music and then I think probably the next era that I was really uh, into him was when he died. Because I think like yeah. it just really, and I think for everyone as well, uh, really kind of unearthed a lot of people's like passion and nostalgia for him and his music. And For sure. I can definitely identify with that and like seeing so many people around me that I never knew were fans. They were just maybe casual listeners. All of mm. a sudden they had Michael Jackson t-shirts on and I'm like... You guys own more Michael Jackson shirts than me now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I was really surprised because I guess when I was a teenager, I just kind of felt like I was the only Michael Jackson fan. Because when I was a kid, no no one would talk about him like him. He was a bit of a, like, joke, you know, that people would laugh at, like, when I was kids and stuff. So um, so as soon as it got to that period in time, um, even with the This Is It concert, because I'm from London, that I had, I knew people who were going to go, you know. And I was like, you like Michael Jackson? They're like, of course I love Michael Jackson. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> I thought it was the only one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because Michael Jackson had so many fans, like casual fans. But then again, if anyone ever had a chance to like go see him or just be near him, I think it would be the majority of like the entire world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, no, the chance was right there. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't imagine anyone being like, oh, I'm not bothered about seeing Michael Jackson perform. Who cares? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you're always going to get that really strong reaction. Yeah, I was thinking about it today because I was doing a video and, 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 you know, part of that was talking about when he died. And I was like, wow, it was a real, like, cultural, significant, like, moment like that we'll always remember and people yeah. always look back on. And, you know, I don't think any reaction to anyone's death in the past has been that strong or has been such a kind of huge impact on everyone globally i agree it just um i think people were just shocked michael jackson was one of those people that i think everyone kind of grew up with or grew up on or watched as he progressed in his career and then when he died it was like a shock to the system like this is someone that we never even really thought of having any type of mortality i mean at least for me and a lot of the people that I've talked to when he died, people were just like, oh, it was just weird because we never thought Michael Jackson would, would die. Mm. Yeah. Even though he's a human being, but like still, he was just one of those people that you never think that'll happen to, especially not at the age of 50. Yeah. Well, it's it's almost like you don't see him as human. Like he's almost, he's always been this kind of ethereal being this entity that yeah he's not mortal in some way and then so i was really into him at that point and then probably again you know maybe i'm one of these fans and you know i think they are out there where 
uh, when he's in the news a lot, whether it's good or bad, I'm back to being <laughs> a fan of his. I don't know whether it's a kind of rebellious streak. You hear a lot of bad things yeah. and you're like, no, all the good, you know. So I guess for me, like, you know, the next era was when I actually started my channel, which was last year. So it was uh, April 2019. So straight after the Leaving Neverland uh, right. documentary. And I think really I've become more and more of a fan, but also more just knowledgeable and have some more, more of a like sophisticated understanding of him in this like last year. Um, that it's not just kind of like, oh, I like that song. You know, it's kind of just learning him like a subject right, right. in itself um, and his life and his kind of cultural significance. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I mean, your videos, you go into so many different topics and the specifics. So I could totally see like in just doing all that research that you grew a great understanding, I guess. Yeah, I mean, when I look back at like my older videos, I'm like, oh, this is a bit basic <laughs> like so you know because you're always constantly improving i'm sure like any creator looks back at what they did previously and they're like oh like yeah i just the other day was looking at some of my videos like mm, i should redo that <laughs> yeah i'm thinking i might do some updates uh on what i've done previously because they still yeah. they still get loads of views and those people watching it and i'm like oh like, i could do better now <laughs> right right i can relate <laughs> yeah so how do you think you've evolved as a, a fan? Do you think you've always been a same kind of fan or do you, do you, is there like a period of time when you really loved one particular aspect of his career or a particular era? So for me, like the height of my fandom was definitely when I was in high school. Uh, that was like between the, the years of 2001 and 2005, a lot of big things happening, the Invincible album coming out. I got a chance to go see him at the 30th anniversary shows in New York and wow. yeah that was like amazing for me I didn't get a chance to do any of the other stuff or like ever meet him but you know Michael Jackson was really like in the news a lot and then unfortunately mm. during the trial era he was in the news like every day because we were looking at what he was wearing and um I remember going to like lunch and during lunch breaks in high school you could choose to have your lunch and then spend some part of it at the library and I would go on the computer and go on like the Michael Jackson forums and the news and see what was going on. Oh, nice. Yeah. So like that was that was kind of my life in high school, like wake up, um, listen to some Michael Jackson on my Walkman or my disc player going to school. Yeah. Check, same as me. Yeah. Yeah. Check up on him um, or what's happening in the Michael world during lunch and then come home and fall asleep watching some more Michael Jackson or looking at my Napster downloads like we were talking about <laughs> earlier. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> looking at my Napster downloads like we were talking about earlier. So, yeah, I think lately, though, I mean, my fandom has changed in that, like, I'm not so constantly watching Michael as I was before. Now I'm more, like, looking at parts of him that I want to share. That's kind of like why I started my blog. Because oh. like when he passed away, I realized like, oh, I'm going to have way more memories of being a fan of him passed away than, you know, the time that he was living. So I need to document this and I want to like find parts about Michael that I really was inspired by or moved by. And I want to share that with like other fans, because as we talked about a little earlier, like sometimes being a fan can feel lonely. It can feel like, OK, no yeah. one else likes him, right? <laughs> 
So that's kind of like how my fandom has evolved, I think. Just like more of me wanting to like share as opposed to like having it all to myself and being engrossed in MJ 24-7. Not saying that mm. there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no. But, you know, and that's one aspect that I think is really interesting because I'm sure a lot of fans feel like that, that when you look at the media around Michael Jackson, you might feel like, you know, no one likes Michael Jackson and you're the only person. And that, I don't know whether there's that, you know, like today there's a lot of Villainer mediocre, not mediocre, well, there are mediocre, but, you know, there's, there's some musicians which are just kind of yeah everyone kind of likes them they haven't got this really strong following you know it's just a kind of general yeah of course everyone likes them right so i feel like it almost uh, breeds that really kind of those really strong opinions about him you know you don't just like michael jackson you just like absolutely love him so much because that you feel like there's this backlash against him or you know that you shouldn't like him or so at the time what was the what were the type of forums like what were the big forums that were big in the early 2000s um well the one i know there was a bunch i'm not very well versed on any ones besides my own the one that i used to frequent which was mjj forum yeah and now it is called MJJ Community, but before it was under different ownership and the vibe was totally different. Um, people were on there like literally day and night. Like you could go on the forum and see somebody responded 30 seconds ago to multiple threads. Wow. Like the community was very big. It was from people from all over the world. They had little different uh sections where you could meet people in your area. Like I remember one of my first Michael Jackson events was in 2003 um i got to meet other fans we went to like the bronx zoo <laughs> which oh, is wow. here in new york city yeah. you know and we were like we're gonna make a special stop at like the chimps exhibit in honor of bubbles <laughs> <laughs> which oh sounds God, so really? funny yeah we did that though and yeah. it was just fun being around different fans so that was the form i was in and then also i was heavy in the michael jackson aol chat room heavy in there oh heavy <laughs> yeah but like like at least every other day. Pretty I much moderating there. it. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. not that far. I mean, okay, so it was just interesting because going into those like forums and and like community things, you never really know what people are going to be talking about. So it's funny because sometimes the conversation was Michael's related, sometimes it wasn't, but still you felt a special bond to these people because they were like, mm. you know, they were like me. <laughs> so do you have any theories around, obviously Michael Jackson has a really unique audience and a really unique following and obviously they're known to be very fanatical very obsessive uh very opinionated as we've kind of discussed earlier so do you have any theories why this might be the case and that i don't know fans of david bowie or something they're not seen as being so fanatical about him like, why do you think that might be the case yeah okay so this stands out to me as um a quote that i heard a fan say on one of those like documentaries and I think it was the making of Thriller and the fan was like saying about Michael Jackson, he's real down to earth, he's down to earth and that's the way we want it to be, down to earth. And I think <laughs> she was so right and I think that is a huge part why Michael Jackson is just, he attracts such loyal fans. Hmm. Because he like, he's humble, he doesn't take credit. You know, whenever we hear him talk about his work or his dancing, it's a gift from God, you know, or mm. um, the songs came to me like he almost makes it seem as though 
hey, wait, I'm not this like immortal, amazing superhero type of untouchable being that you think that I am. I'm just like you. You know, I worked hard, but then also some of the things that came to me, they just were given to me as a talent or gift from God. Like, I feel like he makes himself almost, I don't want to say down to like anyone's level. I think he just makes himself, he makes himself relatable as a human being. And I think that's why a lot of people like really are loyal to him because we feel like he's kind of a friend in a way. Mm. No, I think that's definitely the case. And I think that juxtaposition between out of worldly talent that he just so and and i think i think part of it that's so attractive is that it just seems so effortless you know you don't see the work that's behind it it's it just comes so naturally to him um so that kind of strength in his like talent and his abilities but then also his vulnerability as a human being that he was so strong and so powerful in many ways but then also so weak and vulnerable and i think that juxtaposition really attracts uh, and you know someone like um yeah. Lisa Marie Presley said the same thing that you just got con completely engrossed and intoxicated by him, by his presence. Wow. And I think he very much had this like charisma, which is just completely unique. Which probably <laughs> there's probably a you know a page of about five names that had the same level of charisma that than he had in the public realm. Here's another like theory that I have. So, you know, Mo Michael Jackson started at Motown and Motown kind of like trained them on like how to do interviews and how to get more people to to like respond to you in a certain way. Mm. And like also the fact that like they traveled around the world, like from when he was 10 or 11, he was going to different countries and like meeting people of different cultures and backgrounds. And I think it gave him like a certain level of understanding about human, the human condition, I guess, in general. Mm. So like, I feel like the way he was able to relate to people all over the world of all ages, of all races, of all backgrounds, like that also took him to like a different level, I think, mm. compared to some of these other artists that might not have had that experience or may not, maybe not open themselves up to try to understand. Um, and yeah, I just, I love that. I love that about Michael Jackson. I think he, um, he really understood um, people. Mm. So, but what's really yeah. interesting in that respect is that he would always be so timid and shy and not really say a lot. Uh, and I, I don't know if it was true, like, oh my god, I, I just, I'm so awkward and I'm so shy, I don't know what to say, or whether that was kind of, he knew the effect that that had on people, that like he, you yeah. know, that he was, he was, he used that to in his favour. Yes, like I, okay, so there's a theory that i have and it's honestly it's not even a theory because i've see i think that it's been proven already <laughs> so <laughs> i've heard or michael jackson has said that he studied psychology and like we all know that he mm. was very well read and there was a book that was found um in his possession with notes that he written all over it wrote all over it called the 48 laws of power it's a book by robert green and that book is like it's like a classic not it's like it's not a novel, but it's a classic book that gives like 48 different things, rules, mm. I guess, to abide by if you want to be a powerful figurehead. And some of these were, I think, very much in line with Michael Jackson. And you can even see, if you Google it, you can see pictures of the book with his inscriptions, like different writings and things that he pointed out and highlighted. But some of these are very true to Michael Jackson. Um, playing to people's fantasies, recreating yourself constantly using mm. absence to increase honor 
and what you were just talking about here, never appearing too perfect and appearing elusive. Ah. So. Well, I remember. Um, I think it was during the bad era, or when he was preparing for the bad era. It was. Um, he had notes to himself where it was like, "I will be an enigma. I will be elusive. I will not speak. I will yes. not make interviews." Um, so he was very aware of his like public persona in that sense. Yes, yes. I think he he knew already what he wanted to do and. I'm someone, I don't know if anybody else knows about this, the law of attraction. I believe in like what you say really does have, what you believe really does have, um, you kind of attract it in a way. And I think Michael Jackson really believed these things and kind of like molded himself to be this way. And it just happened to, he becomes everything that he, that he spoke about. So it's really, really powerful. Hmm. Yeah. And I think also like looking at his childhood and his background, you know, when you have someone like his father who really kind of, it was almost like um, a will to survive in order to develop his talent. You know, he had to yeah. kind of get better, improve himself, perfect himself, perfect what he was doing in order to survive in that type of environment. Um, so it gave him great motivation to perfect not just his, you know, his musical talent and his dancing and his performance, but also the, the, his charisma, maybe, maybe, you know, his public appeal, his public persona. Yeah. And I know later on in life, he said that, like, a lot of the things that he did and he accomplished is because he really wanted everyone to love him. He wanted his father's love. And like, mm. you know, I guess keep trying and to keep to keep trying to do more and more and maybe he thought that if he became the best that maybe he would finally get the love and approval from his dad that he that he hadn't received that he was longing for as a kid you know because a lot of people think that like once you grow up you kind of don't need that anymore but everyone I think to some degree has that need like maybe it's like mm -hmm. a human innate need to be accepted and loved by parents and I think for Michael Jackson um, some of that like you said, like with Joseph, maybe it like powered him to just keep going higher and higher and want everyone to love him. Um, so hopefully he like achieved that. You know, his his value to his father and his family in general was, you know, whether it was intended or not, was very closely linked to his, you know, record sales, ticket sales, how much they've been making. So it's the, the emotional equates to the monetary and the professional as well. So it's all kind of intertwined from a very yeah. early age. So true, so true. And also I think from a child, you know, performing from a very early age to thousands of thousands, and you can see every single inflection in your voice or every little gesture, or, you know, whether you go to this side of the stage or this one, and you, you can see in people's eyes, like how they react to you. You're doing that night after night, night after night. You can get really good at seeing I know how to control this audience. I know what people respond to and what, how to get what I want out of them. And I think he was a real master in that, in getting what he, he, he wanted out of people. Yeah, so true, so true. So, I mean, in terms of your experience in the fan community, obviously being, being um, your, your channel is all about the fan community and connecting, connecting us all together. Um, <laughs> Yes. What, what is your experience of fans, any backlash in real life or YouTube? Um, you know, what, how would you see the, the fandom as being, you know, how would you characterize them? Well, um, I, I love the Michael Jackson fan community. I think there are different degrees and levels of fandom. And I see that a lot of times, like in my comment section to some of the videos, 
Um, I have some <laughs> people that are like, oh, MJ Fangirl, I love your background. I love all the videos that you're making. This is awesome. Michael's beautiful. Sometimes people are commenting that he's godlike. Um, and then you have mm. the people that are very like analytical and they want to talk facts and that's cool too. And then you have like um, the new fans and that actually really inspires me when I'm doing my videos too because they're Michael Jackson's making new fans every day and it's so mm. cool to see people commenting on the video like hey I was I'm nine or I'm ten <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and <laughs> well especially especially now I have Instagram and I'm like because on YouTube it's kind of faceless you can't you don't really know much about the people right. who follow you but I'm on Instagram and I just see oh wow this like six-year-old <laughs> is <laughs> following my my Instagram yeah. Uh, but it's it's crazy it's great. You know? and you know I'm gonna say like some of the most fanatical people about Michael Jackson are friends that I know and love today so I you know the yeah. thing about Michael Jackson is he always wanted to provide escapism and you never know what people people are going through or how much escapism someone's looking for so like I feel like there are varying degrees of Michael Jackson fans for sure um, yeah yeah and i think i definitely with what i can see from my youtube i have I probably have like three sets i have like the die hard um can't say anything bad about michael jackson it has to always be perfect and always going to watch your video like be the first one there to like comment like whatever and then you have <laughs> the more yeah it, it's kind of to varying degrees i mean i always know with a video if it's doing well on the YouTube algorithm, I will start getting derogatory comments and stuff on it because I'm like, oh. yay, I'm going to a more mainstream audience now, <laughs> you know? So when it's right. not all lovely, then that's what I can kind of see. It's it's just amazing. Um, again, like Michael Jackson has fans from so many different walks of life. And I'm always like amazed by like the different types of comments and the different types of people that I've met. Um, one of the cool things that I've gotten to see is um, the collectors, like the huge, huge collectors. Yeah. <laughs> who will have like different albums from every country or singles. And I never knew that that was like a thing. I've thought like if I had the They Don't Care About Us single that I just had it. I didn't know there was a blue shirt versus a red shirt versus a, you know, yeah. like, a, like a Brazil edition and a Japan edition. Like this is like was all new to me. Um, with YouTube and it's just so cool that people have whole rooms dedicated to him. I mean because you you have quite a lot of memorabilia and stuff do you, do, or is it mostly kind of like books and and that type of thing? Um, I do I have like books magazines like I have a good collection but I always say that I'm a um, I'm not a collector I have a collection. Um, because <laughs> you're not, you're not are... actively like looking to complete a collection or anything. Right. I just like over the years have amassed a bunch of stuff. And the funny thing, I want to mention this because I was so, I was like, what? I, I took, I did a video showing my Michael Jackson book collection, mm. and, a magazine collection rather. And, you know, these are things that usually just sit on a shelf. They're not displayed in any way. And I kind of like, I had like 40 magazines, maybe 50 on this, on this big table that I have. Um, it's like a big card table almost in, in my, in my Michael room. And I had the books and I was like moving them over and I guess I was like slamming them over and this person was like oh my gosh it's such a pity to see how you treat your Michael Jackson magazines <laughs> these are worth so much and they're you know it's it's just so sad to see how you treat them oh god <laughs> and I was just like dude they're first of all they're my magazines like if I if I 
I mean, and then I had to look back and I was like, did I mistreat any of them? Did I turn the pages too hard? I saw um, I saw a YouTuber and she was going through her handbag collection and um, she had a candle in the back, but it uh-huh. kind of looked in the, you know, in the shot, it kind of looked like she, every time she got a bag out, there was over this candle and people were just like, <laughs> oh my God, it's just giving me so much anxiety seeing you putting this $3,000 handbag over a scented candle. Uh, and she actually mentioned in a later video saying like candle is very far away it's not these are um items aren't getting damaged in any way don't worry about it <laughs> yeah people get really like wrapped up into stuff like that so now i'm like if i ever do yeah. a collection video again i'm gonna be a little bit you're there with the white gloves exactly. <laughs> you know yes. being very careful um so what would you say like if you um because i'm just interested about this because i don't really have a lot i have one thing which i will mention um but i don't have a lot in terms of a like physical uh, michael jackson collection but if you if you were running out of a burning building what would be the item that you're like i have to take with me this is like oh really important to me okay so i would really want to take my videotapes of Michael Jackson, Moonwalker, and The Legend Continues documentary, and I would also want to take my Pepsi can from the Jacksons, the Victory Tour Pepsi can. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, and, okay, one more thing, or two more things. My tickets from the <laughs> 2001 anniversary shows and my... I'd be taking that, yeah. Right? And my first edition copy yeah. of his autobiography because I paid $2.62 for it. It was the first edition, perfect condition. It's a good memory. <laughs> How about you, if there's anything? Well, so the only thing that I have, so I have his, um, I have his biography or autobiography. I have, I have other biographies as well, but I, I bought them in 2009. Um, so they're definitely not first editions. Um, but my one thing is that, so on eBay, there's like um, a seller. I don't know why, I think I, 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 sometimes I'm looking for like footage and stuff on eBay and some, uh, there's, copies of like bootleg um, fan copies of like news reports or different documentaries or um, mm-hmm. just 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 so that I can get different footage uh, for the channel and I started looking at Michael Jackson actual like uh, things that he owned that were like sold at auction so a lot okay. of this is obviously very expensive uh, but I did see one seller which was um, he had bought a bunch of stuff in 2008 uh, or 2007 from Neverland when they were kind of um, emptying it all of all his all his things in there and he just bought like wow. a job lot of stuff there's there's still items up there now um, and they have a little card saying you know this was purchased at this auction none of the listings have any kind of description about the item you literally just see a couple pictures of it and um, mm-hmm. a lot of it is like Disney, you know, like Disney kind of ornaments or like little glasses or like, you know, lots of stuff that I'm like not particularly interested in. Um, But, or you get like a pair of sunglasses, which are like really expensive. Um, But one thing that I did find was um, it was a a leather, a leather strap with a buckle on it. And I was like, oh, that looks interesting. I wonder where that's from. I wonder if that's from like a particular outfit or costume. Um, And the buckle's actually really quite distinctive it's got different like patterns and designs on it so when i was looking at loads of different images of uh michael uh during different areas i was like the most obvious era would be bad i looked and there was like on his sleeve of one of his jackets had the exact same buckle um okay so i was like 
it's I think it was I think it was like $50 or something so I was like I'm gonna put in a bid because it might be from the bad era um, so Hi. I've got that and I've received it and one thing that I really uh, thought was encouraging about it was that it was really worn and really like quite damaged so I'm like at least it's not something that was made and you just like never used or maybe he maybe he yeah. never used it but it was just like left in the back somewhere and wasn't looked after and I know he was a little bit of a hoarder so I can imagine that might might have been the case I'm gonna yeah. say that he used it at least yes. a few times on stage <laughs> yeah I mean what the stage worn buckle but I don't even know where this buckle whether it was on a pair of bottoms or a pair of sleeves or around your neck or it's it's kind of it's it's not something that you could wear you could wear it as a bracelet I think but you can't really wear it anywhere else like around the thigh or anything but I, I presume it was like looped into something else. Oh, I see. Um, so that's one of my like life, lifelong. Maybe I'll do a video about it. Yes. But you know, just just to try get some uh, insights from from people outside to see if they can work out where this belt buckle lived. Yes, call on the fan community. They will definitely be able to, you know, trace the origins of it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, with that, I really just want to get it framed and put up somewhere and maybe put a picture on the back of like, just the picture that I have of him wearing the same type of buckle somewhere else. That would be really, really cool. I think that's yeah. a good idea. So, I mean, in terms of the future for the fan community, I know you mentioned that, you know, you've got a lot of young fans and I do as well, which I'm always really surprised about. Um, and I think there's definitely... I mean, there's, I guess there's Michael Jackson fans from all the eras, really. Uh, but I get a lot of comments from people who were there, you know, at the original time of, uh, of around, and then probably people a bit more of our age. Um, yeah. And then really young fans who probably only knew about him, you know, uh, when when he did die or, um, or you know, weren't, weren't even that, <laughs> weren't even <laughs> that old enough to be aware of him at that time either. Um, so how, do you, do you see, it's it's un it's interesting to think like where will the fandom and the legacy be in like fifty or hundred years time? Yeah, it's so it's fun to think about actually because I have these dreams of like going to um, fan conventions. Like I really wish that the Michael Jackson fan community would have like the same type of like events and camaraderie as well I guess we do have camaraderie but I would love more in real life interactions in the fan community mm. and I think that would be cool you know um I know that Prince has that at Paisley Park where a lot of the people that worked with Prince will come and they'll do shows and panel discussions and I really want that for the future of the fan community um I feel like the Prince um estate or how they're running it is doing it really really well yeah, I think it's very true to like probably what Prince would have wanted. Um, or do you think he like organized it before or put certain things into place? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, I don't know, but I I believe that I heard Prince had Paisley Park open for like the fans prior to his death a few times. So like maybe like some of the, uh, some of it was already like set up for that. So yeah, well, because I, I watched a tour of a Paisley Park recently, and apparently that was the plan when originally when they built it oh. that he wanted it to when he died to be um, yeah almost like a Graceland or like a museum towards you know and it's it's literally I mean it looks like a museum it looks like it doesn't look like a home right <laughs> you can't even imagine someone living there that's amazing I mean you know and it's just 
I again, I wish that we had a place like that as well, um, or even like a mm. traveling exhibit. Like that would be really cool. Because I, I feel like that will happen one day. I, I can imagine. I really hope so. Because I think that Michael Jackson fans will continue to be made. You know, there are kids walking around singing Thriller that are like four or five years old. Um, that knows kind of, you know, some of the dance moves and, oh, Michael Jackson, you know, recognizing him on mm. photos. So I think his community will be growing um, forevermore. And I think that's just a testament to his artistry for sure. I, I would love it if there was, yeah, like that one place that you could go and it was like an amazing museum to him and it went through all the different areas and eras and that they had like... Um, little setups for his different videos and you could like film yes. you know be filmed like you know on the you know the ground lighting up on the billy jean video and stuff <gasps> like that i would love that like very interactive very like um memory making and educational because mm. michael was around for 40 years like i mean 40 years actually as a career yeah as a career so like why can't he have something like that you know why why can't we do something like that um i just have this weird dream also too of like an interactive 3d experience on the history tour intro roller coaster mm -hmm. <laughs> i think we should totally do like a virtual reality um ride on that roller coaster if there's ever to be a fan convention so estate if you're listening um please begin to implement that yeah. <laughs> well like one of those ones where you go into i don't know a little capsule and they and then it lifts up and it moves you around and stuff oh yes yeah. yes that would be great yeah. and like i feel like disney should sponsor and do like a screening of captain eo in like 4d see and this great. would only really work i could imagine this would only happen if it was somewhere like um, I, I maybe Disney, but maybe is it Universal Studios? Like yeah. doing a deal with the estate to produce something like that. I feel like that's the only way that that would happen, and it would be in Florida somewhere. Right? Yeah, probably. Make it happen. And I think. Make it happen, guys. I wish. It's it's funny. Um, it's funny. I do get comments sometimes where they're like, "I'm 100% convinced now that this is the Jackson family creating this." channel to you know oh. <laughs> they're like to counteract what the estate's doing you know and i'm just like Aww. um yeah i'm just like uh you know i wish thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, i wish i had any say okay cool well i think next is the desert island disc quick fire round <gasps> yes okay my yes. favorite part <laughs> okay first one is on the line or both both unreleased tracks uh al capone <gasps> um i'm gonna go with al capone oh my gosh i'm gonna go with al capone even though i love on the line but al capone is just so fun to me and it's very smooth criminal like vibes mm. and i love that type of song yeah i love both of these as well but i think the one i probably listen to more is al capone yeah 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 it's a very unusual song Al Capone. I actually have no idea what the lyrics even are. It just, I always like just mumble through. Too bad. Da, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I feel, I feel like it has some like dangerous vibes in there as well. Like can't let it get away and jam and stuff oh, yeah. like that kind of. 
ranty vibe to it. Um, okay, next one is Girlfriend or Music and Me. Oh, for this, it's got to be Music and Me. And even though sometimes the, sa- the song makes me very sad to think about what was to happen to Michael Jackson, you know, um, listening to him singing about music and that relationship and then what would happen to him later on makes me kind of like uh, emotional. But I'm going to go with Music and Me. Mm. Yeah. Because he has quite a few songs like that, that uh, In a Child's Heart. Then, um, okay, Music and mm. Me, let's see. Um, Happy, there's a song called Happy. That's kind of like that. Um, I don't know. What else? But yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of them that are, oh, Got yeah. to Be There, kind of. There's like introspective child singles. Yeah. I always wondered, like, if Michael remembers recording those. Because, like, you know, memories just fade as you get older. Like, does he have memories of that? I'm be... sure he's... I'm sure he just remembers the video. Like, he just looks back at the videos and he probably can't remember whether he remembers it because he's watched the video, the footage before. Oh, true, true. <laughs> so it's almost, yeah, it's almost like uh, home movies. Yeah. Right, next one is uh, Mama's Pearl. Or State of Shock? Oh, for me, that's going to be Mama's Pearl. I guess the Jackson 5 girls coming out in me. <laughs> but yeah. State of Shock is fun, but I've definitely listened to Mama's Pearl a little bit more. Yeah. I, I'm i not, like, obsessed with any of them, but I, I, I think it would probably have to be Mama's Pearl. Okay. Um, out of those two. Right, next one up is uh, Big Boy. Uh, which is the first single by the Jackson 5. Um, yes. And that's kind of in the same vein as uh, Music and Me and, and uh, you know, Ben and In a Child's Heart. So true. Um, I love that song as well. I, I, like, I like it too. Honestly, I haven't heard it in many years, but um, it just sounds so, like, homemade. Even though I know it's... I don't think it's homemade, but it sounds very, mm-hmm. like... Um, acoustic has like very homey vibes i like it (laughs) yeah it's very um uh it's almost like haunting yeah you know it's it's like the remnants of a song there um and it's got that kind of grainy feel to it i yeah um and yeah and obviously it's meant to be kind of cute because it's like a little boy saying he's a big boy now and you know you got to let me grow up and take responsibility or right uh, treat me as i should now now i'm older (laughs) um okay so it's big boy or i want you back oh i want you back for sure for me (laughs) i'll have to say that i i love i want you back it's probably but I, I would say The Love You Save is probably my favourite of that era. Okay. But I'm going to say Big Boy, because that's probably one I would listen to more. Aw, okay. That is a good song. Yeah. For any, um, any MJ fans that haven't listened to it, definitely listen, because it's... I think it was... It's not by Motown. It's by wherever they were before, and... It's something like Steelworks or something? It was their... Yeah. Steel Town, yes. Steel Town, yeah. Um, yeah, which was the label they were with very, um, it's the first single they ever released, um, but it was a very short-lived sort of connection they had with another, another label other than Motown. Yeah. Right. Next one is, uh, Black or White, 
or okay. we just spoke about it uh, with a child's heart I'm gonna go with black or white because I think it's very representative of like the Michael Jackson's like whole unity and bringing people together so yeah I'm gonna say with you? a child's heart yeah <laughs> so I don't really like black or white we've just spoken about this I don't like black or white that much okay but I, w- I would listen to with child's heart in a mix of like all those kind of child hits and then like one day in your life and you know some more sentimental tracks oh one day in your life always you makes... push me away oh <laughs> <laughs> all those songs <laughs> that reminds me of my teenage years i used to listen to like all the michael jackson solo love songs there was like a compilation is it called michael jackson love songs and all those were on it what so you're you, you as a teen listening to michael jackson as a teen yes I, I i like was obsessed i don't know why i just felt like he was singing to me because we were the same age i guess yeah do you ever do this where as you get older you think about the age he was at when at your age okay i recently did that and i feel like recently i realized that like he was doing black or white or something around this t- like mm-hmm. dangerous album like around my age I think he was 32? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, he was... Um, well, it, he, it would have been 1990. So he would have been producing the Dangerous album. Right, so around the like the early 30s, um, and I was just like, dang, Michael went through already like a huge Jackson 5 career, plus Off the Wall, plus Thriller, plus Bad, and now he's yeah. embarking on Dangerous, and I'm just like, what have I done? Yeah, in my life. I, I mean, I think anyone, it doesn't matter who you are, would feel like that. <laughs> right? Like, ugh. It's just I mean, no one's, no one's going to be like, wow, he was only doing Dangerous at that point. I mean, you need to step it up, Michael. I've done a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, is there anyone on Earth that can yeah. say that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm turning uh, 30 this year, and... Um, I watched, well, I didn't, I listened to, a, it was like a fan recording of Michael Jackson's concert for Bad. Okay. And he was, he performed on his birthday in Leeds in the UK. Wow. Uh, in 1988. Um and it was, I think they, I think people sang him happy birthday for his 30th birthday. Oh. I, I don't know whether it was because he was a Jehovah's Witness, he didn't really celebrate his birthday at all, or I know he kind of like... Um, kind of separated himself from that religion as he got a bit older, but he never really did. He just kind of worked <laughs> on his yeah. on his birthday. Aww. I think yeah. I... Well, I think it was the Jehovah's Witness, and I know that, like, when he was talking about Christmas, he said that he felt guilty. Mm. You know, I guess, because he celebrated later on, but the first time that he celebrated, he felt bad, because I guess celebrating, like, earthly things or, you know, I don't know the actual... The, the rules so I won't really speak on that but I know that he said he mm. felt guilty because he like never celebrated it before so maybe it's the same with the birthday I don't know right next one is uh, lovely one or rockin robin oh I'm gonna have to go with lovely one yeah same here. it's just so good and Jackson's live version is just so much like better than the original <laughs> it's weird with that song I really really love the beginning okay but as we get into the choruses, I don't like it as much. Oh. I just love how energetic it is, like, right from the beginning. Um, but then, yeah. But I do I do really love that. I love that album. I think that album's amazing. I think it's probably my favourite um, Jackson's album. 
yes. I could. I, I think a lot, a lot of people's... I, I think it's probably the best one. My favorite one is the, uh, Destiny. Yeah. But right before it. So the next one is Speed Demon or Blue Gangster. I'm going to go with Speed Demon. I like that. Um, and it's pro- probably just because I love the video so much, honestly. Yeah. I'm going to say Speed Demon as well because this is actually the... Blue Gangster is the only song on here I don't actually know. Okay. I might might have heard it, but I think it's probably was quite like forgettable. I like I, f- I forgot it or I can't remember it. Yeah. I mean, I well, like Is them. it on an album? Um yeah, I think they released it on the Escape album if I'm not mistaken, like that recent post posthumous release. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I-, I think I think you might be right. Oh, it says 2014 here, so Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay, Speed Demon all the way. Yes. Right, next one is Butterflies or Off the Wall. <gasps> oh my gosh, Butterflies for sure. I just love this song. Yeah, really? I thought you'd love Off the Wall. <laughs> no, okay, I love a Butterfly. Well, I love, I like both, but I love Butterflies because it's just so representative of like, Michael Jackson was able to come back and get like some massive hits going on in the 2000s and I like that. Yeah, and mine's Butterflies as well. Um, you know, when I first, you know, downloading those songs off Napster and putting them on my MTV, uh, MP3 player, that was definitely one of the songs, like Heaven Can Wait, and um, what, what other ones from that album was I? You didn't have lots of dancey songs on there. You know, I feel like You Rock My World was a standout in that. There was lots of ballads. Yeah, it was very ballad heavy. Um, Unbreakable, maybe? Had... Threatened? Oh my god, yeah. Right. Next one is One Day in Your Life or What's Up? What's Up With You? Oh, I gotta go with... Oh my gosh, this is hard. Okay, this might be the hardest matchup yet because I actually love What's Up With You and I'm gonna... I really do as well. It's good, right? (laughs) People don't really talk about it that much. Fans don't, at least. No, they don't. And I actually... Okay, so there was like this... Michael Jackson website before YouTube where you could download like three different videos they chose per week as mm. a mp4 or move file movie file and I downloaded what's up with you and I was just enamored by it like it was this the video that I would go to when I was just feeling down and it mm. would always boost me up <laughs> yeah and I think with the video like what I really like about it is that you can tell that they're just mates and they're just messing around and they're not really taking it too seriously yeah. and i'm sure it was one of those things where like eddie murphy was just like okay mike like come in here we've got a green screen and you know he's like oh okay what do you want me to do and it's you know he kind of <laughs> like crosses his arms or he's just you know singing along and just you know just having a bit of a laugh it really looks like they literally just took a break from the remember the time set and walked over to a green screen put on different clothes <laughs> yeah yeah no but what i thought was funny is that it was very much um i can't actually remember the outfit but i i, I you know it just it looks like um just his like casual day-to-day outfit like you know yeah yeah it's so casual it's not like right mike michael we've got this look you're this is your persona we've got this whole like hair and makeup he's just you know he just get he just has his normal get up and you know comes on this green screen um yeah i I, you know what 
I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say One Day in Your Life. If you're gonna say What's Up With You, I'm gonna say One Day in Your Life because that's probably a song that I listen to more, to be honest. But I do love the video for What's okay. Up With You. Um, okay. Okay, last one, last one. Um, it's Who's Loving You or The Lady In My Life. Hmm, I'm gonna go with Lady In My Life. I just, it's just such a great track. Like, it's such a great, like, midnight drive and jam session mm. track uh ad libs i love yeah it's such a good like last song yeah it, to the it album. really is like i i could argue that it's probably like the best last song on any of the michael jackson album it's just, it's just so good it wraps everything up so nice right so next up is our q a how come do you think Blood on the Dance Floor's album uh, is so underrated since it's the most vulnerable and introspective album? Um, and I've kind of wondered this before, like, it, it, I, I think that album's really interesting how that was released and why he put it out and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of not recognised as a, a proper uh, album release for Michael Jackson. Um, and why that was the case. Do you think the marketing wasn't up to par or it kind of didn't meet people's expectations or wasn't properly promoted? Well, I just feel like um, it probably wasn't really promoted the same. I remember hearing like ghosts and stuff on the radio in 97, but I don't really feel like this was marketed the same at all mm. um and i also feel like because it had the remixes on it that perhaps it wasn't taken seriously as like a full album mm. by some people i mean right it only had i think half of the tracks were like new technically and for me it almost just seemed like a spin-off of like the history album so that's why i didn't react to it um and i think a lot of people might have held that same thought yeah and i think it's kind of um i think they do that a lot with albums where they try and extend and michael jackson was kind of guilty of this a lot of the time of extending the album release for like a longer period of time so they would have singles go out for you know f over years <laughs> um yeah. And then, and then, yeah, a remixed album or a greatest hits album, and so, you know, because it, it just becomes so much more daunting to like, oh my god, okay, whole new album, whole new era, a whole new kind of trying to get that that buzz and all that all that uh, press and promotion around a new a new product. It's kind of easier to put out uh, music in a you know right. at the end of a remixed album. Um, and I think it's also it almost tests the water in terms of people's appetite to Michael Jackson at that period of time. Like, you know, if Ghost came out and it was the next, you know, biggest hit for Michael Jackson, then maybe that would motivate the record company to, you know, push him into creating an album and getting it done within a year or something because there's a, a real appetite for him. Um, so, yeah. And I think at that point, they also probably felt like Michael Jackson doesn't need promotion to sell an album, but I think he did. <laughs> I think he did, because in the United, at least in the United States, because um, I just took a look and it says that the, the, the album only peaked at number 24 on the US Billboard 200 chart, which is mm -hmm. usually not... Um, 
That is not where Michael Jackson deserves to be, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? And it really... Okay. And this is what disappoints me, too, is because because of the lack of promotion for the album as a whole, I feel like that also had an effect on, like, the music videos. I did not care about Ghosts growing up. Like, I was not Mm. into it. And, like, I think it was... I mean, maybe I'm just one of those people that's kind of like a sheep in a way. Like, I need for everyone to tell me this is the next big thing. Mm. And then for me to be into it, I, like, am more into it because of that. Um, And for me, I wasn't able to get into Ghost because I didn't have anyone being like, here it is, the next huge thing from Michael Jackson. Kind of like what what Mm. was done with Invincible. They kind of, like, were like, Michael Jackson is back. And Mm. unfortunately, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, but it's a shame because I think that there are some great tracks on there. Um, but yeah, uh, none I of think? the none of the tracks on it really stand out for me. I don't really like uh, none of them are really anything that I would be like, oh my god, that's I love that song so much. Not necessarily. Um, a lot yeah. of them are very very dark, aren't they? They are dark and. Yeah, I think all of them are. Like, let's look. Blood on the Dance Floor, Morphine, Superfly Sister, Ghost, and Is It Scary? Those are the original tracks that are on there. And the rest mm. are remixes. And, yeah, it's just... Um, none of them are, like, the the usual upbeat um, and very, like, fun-loving songs that we're used to for Michael Jackson. Even if we have some dark songs, we usually have a mix. Mm. It's interesting to to take a look back and see why this also didn't do as well but also there was less hype or um like less anticipation because i think this came out like only two years after history wasn't it uh yeah it was 97 was it yeah yeah 97 so he was really just coming out of the whole history era i mean you know he had hits the year before so um so i guess people weren't like it's a comeback, Michael Jackson. Um, right. And, and, like, it's only five out songs. Yeah, and I think also, uh, I know with Ghost, that was kind of, that was meant to be the big single from that album. Um, but the video concept was for Is It Scary? Yeah. And that was originally going to be on the Adams Family soundtrack. Yes. Um, and then they they went back to it years later, because I, I think that, that fell through. Um and he spent something ridiculous like 15 million on this music video wow um <laughs> in order to get it produced because the record company wasn't willing to spend that amount of money on a music video but i guess michael jackson thinking about his previous you know c- career risks that he's taken where he's had to produce his own music videos and they've really benefited his career he kind of thought well you know if the record company's not going to do it then i'm going to have to do it in order to uh, move this forward um, and that's what he did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think he was very, I, I guess it's probably some of the most experimental he's been, like in a lot of his albums, like uh, the tracks on there that I guess he wasn't, maybe he wasn't as focused or fixated on it being a huge, a huge success, some of the songs on there. Um, and obviously, it, it, you know, it come on the back of like quite a turbulent period of his life um, that he was really trying to express some kind of inner anxieties and and inward thoughts that he's had about certain things yeah um to be honest i never listened to morphine and like because it's just too it just is almost like art becoming life and some of the songs just don't put me in a good place 
you know, I like to remember Michael mm. as like what I like to remember him as is just basically not like this person singing about these dark subjects and yeah, I don't know. I think that's why I don't listen to it as much for sure. Right, well, I think that's it from us here at The Detail. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope to see you next time. See you guys next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye.